What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Today, I'm so excited. I'm talking with David Krantz. David is a certified epigenetics health coach. David's also a musician. And after years of touring and being on the road, that lifestyle caught up with him. And he's been working ever since with Broadway actors, Google product designers, writers, cancer research artists, and other creative entrepreneurs to help them understand how their bodies are wired and change their habits that are holding them back. How exciting is that? David and I have a great conversation about his line of work, about his music. You can find out more about David at david-krantz.com. I highly suggest you head to his website. He has a free download, Top 10 Biohacks for the Late Night Creatives. So, if you are a late night creative and you find yourself staying up into the early hours, head over to David's site, download this free PDF, and get some information to keep you healthier and happier as you stay up all night working on your creative projects. I know it sometimes happens. We get into the flow of things, and then the next thing you know, you look at the clock, and it's four in the morning, and you're saying to yourself, how did that happen? So head over to David's site, follow him on all of the social platforms. This is a really fun conversation about epigenetics. Now, before we get into the episode, really quick, I have a couple things going on. The Find Your Light Within program is now live. You can register. It officially starts on February 17th. It is a six-week group coaching program. Every week you're going to get a new video message from me with some type of question to push you and start looking at your life in new ways so you can reach your goals and start living your best life. Registration is now open. It is on my website at inspirecreatemanifest.com. Along with that, I have a bunch of workshops that are happening on February 8th. I'm at the Philadelphia Yoga Exchange here in Philadelphia. I'm so excited to finally be teaching there. I've been doing a lot of photography work out of that beautiful space. And now on Saturday, February 8th, I'll be teaching The Heart is a Magnet. If you missed it last week at Palo Santo, now is your chance to join in on the fun. It's a lot of fun. We're going to be opening up our heart connecting to that heart and brain coherence, moving us into elevated states of emotion so we can actually start creating the life that we want. A lot of other fun workshops are happening throughout February and March. Head to the website, inspirecreatemanifest.com. There you can sign up for the Find Your Light Within program, find out where I am teaching, and if you want to jump into individual transformational coaching with me, you can do that as well. There's a form to fill out, set up a free discovery call, and we will chat and see if we may work well together. That's all the information I got for you today, my friends. Trying to really keep the intro short since I will be back on Sunday with Sunday Coffee Talk. Until then, kick back and enjoy this conversation with David Krantz. 
What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. And today I'm talking with David Krantz. I'm super excited about this, this conversation because um, David works in, I, I mean, I really don't know how to say what exactly you work in, David. You are an epigenetics coach, a nutrition coach. Yeah, so I, I work in nutrition. I work with all kinds of different lifestyle factors, um, you know, kind of everything that could contribute to health or take away from it. That's something I'll look at. Um, so I don't necessarily like to call myself a nutrition coach because, you know, that's just one component of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I consider myself an epigenetic coach because that's kind of what connects all the different things together that I work with. And we, we can kind of dive into what that really means as we move forward here but yeah it's a pleasure to be here and really appreciate you having me on yeah thank you so much and you're also a musician correct yes uh i'm a musician i've been playing instruments my whole life um mostly uh create and play electronic music these days um and that's kind of been my love for the past um 12 years or so nice how did these worlds collide from musician to this this coaching path that you're on now yeah so i in my kind of late teens early 20s got into producing electronic music and found a nice little niche and you know started touring and playing shows and was pretty successful with it um but around the same time my health really kind of crashed mm-hmm. and part of it was i wasn't taking care of my body and the kind of late night lifestyle of staying up all night during music and play shows and be on the road um, really kind of took a toll on me. And there's some other things going on in my life, um, just with relationships and emotionally things going on that were also very draining at the time. And I just kind of hit this wall where, um, you know, things got really pretty bad. And, and I went to a bunch of doctors to try and figure out some weird health stuff that was going on. And no one really could give me a solid answer on why I was passing out randomly and why I was having stomach issues and you know, all these sort of this bunch of different clusters of symptoms um, that from a traditional medical model standpoint, they're like, well, you know, we've ran these tests. You're basically a healthy young guy in your early mid twenties. Like you're fine. Um, and symptom wise, I was very much not fine. And so I kind of really had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own and got really into the biohacking world, kind of the um, optimal health world and started adopting a lot of these practices and, and, and seeing how um, that a lot of my problems weren't necessarily caused by just one thing. It was this combination of stress and diet and, and circadian rhythm and all of these different things that I just had never paid attention to. Hmm. And, you know, I kind of got my health back together a little bit and, uh, right around that same time, I was I was working. I was actually working in a synthesizer factory. Um, other musicians might recognize Moog Music, but I was working for Moog, mm-hmm. um, building synths for them. And a one day on my lunch break, I took a walk, and I'd been just really diving into health podcasts. And I realized that the logo on the building next door was actually the exact same logo as one of the um, one of my favorite podcasts that I was listening to. And there was this doctor who was an expert in genetics and epigenetics, and uh, he had a clinic next door to where I was working. <laughs> you know, wow. I was like, what are the chances? <laughs> and so 
so I booked a uh, consult with him just because I wanted some personal blood work done. And the amazing thing was they were actually looking to hire someone with audio production skills to work on a experimental sound chamber that they had built for meditation and relaxation and uh, kind of altered states. They were looking for someone with my skill set. And um, one of the co-owners was an audiologist and had a special interest in sound. And so I had left my other job as quickly as I could and started working with them. That is- and right around that same time, the, this doctor, Dr. Dan Stickler, um, started a training program for coaches and in genetics. And he started teaching his methods. He had a bunch of other doctors and people asking him to train them. Uh, and he kind of asked me to be kind of a beta tester of this training program before it went public because I was just working, you know, in the same place. Uh-huh. And I actually said no at first because I really didn't see myself as, you know, a health coach or someone that could help other people. I was just kind of getting myself back together. Um, but I ended up doing it and trusting him. And um, that's kind of how I really started down the path. You know, it started out with me having to learn the skills to fix myself and then realizing that I'd actually you know, kind of absorbed a lot of really helpful information that other people could benefit from. So, so here I am. Wow. That is such an amazing story. And I feel not to get too woo woo, but I've been embracing my woo more recently. Uh, And synchronicities, like just the synchronicity of being in the right place at the right time. And all of that happening the way it happened makes me feel that nothing is by accident. Um, so, wow, way to be tuned in to all of that to, yeah, <laughs> to, to, you know, to really thing. connect with it and it be uh-huh. right, right there. That is, wow, that's such a great, a great story. And I've recently been training to be a life coach, transformational coach, all that stuff as well. And at first I'm like, well, how can I help people? But then I realized that like from all of the mistakes that I've made and working on myself, that's where, you know, it's our story that allows us to really be able to help everybody else and how we've learned from all of our mistakes. So be able, so by, I can talk really. So from Mm -hmm. you, you know, going through the process and doing this, actually being like a guinea pig for yourself is probably so beneficial to then help everyone else that you're working with. Cause you have that experience, you know, in internally with it. Um, I was looking at the, I'm trying to pull it up right now. The your the ten biohacks for late night creatives, which I found mm-hmm. very interesting, and really this the idea of connecting health with creativity. And I think sometimes I take my creativity for granted because it just seems to be there, and I'm so thankful that it is. But I come from a family of artists where some some of my brothers are extremely creative or artistic but feel they're not creative and like a lot of my family members they can like draw anything but they feel they can't come up with that uh, with their own original thought but they can draw anything they see where I've never been able to really just draw but I have these creative ideas and visions in my head so Mm -hmm. it's this weird you know 
path. And I'm wondering just, you know, what that connection may be with the, the health and the creativity and from me utilizing yoga and meditation, if that's like spurs it more where my brothers and sisters really don't do that practice or really have that practice, but they have the innate skill of drawing a straight line where I do not. Um, have you, what have, have you found that some people that you work with, if they change lifestyle, change some patterns, they, they become more creative or that creative energy sparks? It's a really good question. You know, I, I do notice it with certain people when that's a goal. Like I worked with, um, you know, I'll just use someone as an example, um, I worked with a guy who you know, I've been working maybe for about a year and he um, was a sculptor earlier in his life and really didn't have the time, you know, over the time being a father and it wasn't necessarily his main focus, but it was always something he loved. And one of his goals when we started working together was like, I want to get back into sculpting. I want to set my studio back up. Um, and, you know, we, we worked through some of the blocks that he had around that around what was keeping him from that and, you know, looked at it from both a health perspective, just having the extra energy to like spend an hour, you know, of his day going in, into the studio and doing that and feeling like he actually had, you know, more mental energy and, and focus to do it. But I think there's, um, you know, just that just having the capacity to start to analyze and process things about where we stay stuck with creativity can be, um, kind of opened up by those practices, like like a yoga practice or changing your nutrition or doing something where, um, you know, it might not be a linear kind of thing, but you do see ripple effects, I think. And that's the thing is I feel like creativity is this, this super nonlinear phenomenon. Like you can't really put a specific framework around it or you know a a system that works every single time sometimes it's just random it just happens and i, I think there's um you know a lot to be said for um how sometimes small changes can create um you know big shifts or sometimes you can work you know on something for a really long time and, and it, nothing changes but it's sometimes you you can do the smallest thing where like all of a sudden you've added some extra nutrients into your diet that you weren't getting before. And that actually just kind of opens up the ability to say, all right, yeah, you know, actually I do feel like spending a little bit more time thinking about this. Um, so, you know, I think it, uh, yeah, I, I have seen that, that change for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really depends on, you know, if that's, if that's someone's kind of desired outcome, I think, right. um, you know, I feel like that that's one of the big components is like, do I want to do, am I prioritizing this? Well, if you are, if you want to be prioritizing creativity or, or doing something that's more creative, let's look at all those factors that kind of go into that and see how we can support that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. So I feel we kind of, you know, we jumped right in. I've been all over the place. Let's rewind a little bit. And can you tell us what is epigenetics? Yeah, absolutely. So epigenetics, um, the, the Latin de like translation is a control above the genes. And you know, when we first discovered DNA back in the 50s and really understood the structure of it, um, we didn't really understand that there was this other layer to it that we've only really known about for about 30 years or so. Um, 
And, you know, your genes go into creating what makes you uniquely you. Your hair color, your skin color, your unique biochemistry, the way that all of the enzymes in your body are produced. Everyone kind of has these tiny little differences um, that, you know, for the most part, we function pretty similarly, but, you know, there's tiny little differences created by um, one letter differences in your DNA code from place to place. Um, and, you know, you can see that on the surface, like hair color or eye color, but then that kind of individuality extends all the way throughout our, um, you know, neurochemistry and biochemistry and, and all, and really the, the very tiny inner workings of how, you know, we come to be who we are. And on top of that, there's this system called epigenetics that, allows our bodies to adapt and change in response to information from the environment. And it's incredibly intelligent in the way that we're able to, you know, shift our function. So like, for example, um, something like trauma where the body is trying to adapt to a really intense, stressful situation, needs all of these epigenetic marks to try and prepare the body to be responsive to the same environment, you know, situation later on. And it, it can be maladaptive if it's kind of overdone. Um, but these, these changes also happen on a daily basis, you know, depending on what we're eating, depending on um, the light that we're taking in, depending on, you know, if we're under stress or not. And these, uh, these epigenetic changes really underlie a lot of the, what we consider to be, you know, healthy or not healthy kind of states where there's all of these different gene expressions, say something like inflammation. Inflammation is um, a component of almost every major disease. Uh, it's implicated in all kinds of mental illness, heart disease. It's kind of a common factor, right? It's, it's essentially where um, your immune system isn't able to quell cellular damage. So it's kind of like cellular damage at its core. It's kind of just a common thing. There's certain genes associated with pro-inflammatory chemicals in the body and anti-inflammatory chemicals in the body. So, you know, say um, you might eat, uh, you know, a cheeseburger from McDonald's and, you know, not eat or, or not exercise for weeks at a time. You're probably going to see some of the pro-inflammatory genes start to turn on. Say you start exercising regularly, you start meditating, do certain things, um, that are going to shift genetic expression in the other direction, they can actually show these anti-inflammatory genes get turned on by those different practices. So, you know, this is something that um, we used to think that your genes determine your destiny, right? Mm -hmm. You were going to kind of be stuck in one direction, depending on what your family history was, um, all that. But now we know that it's really more about the things that you do versus the genes that you have. And it's helpful to know what genes you have so you can know kind of the exact right things to do. Um, but epigenetics um, allows for this tremendous flexibility within the system um, that, you know, doing something like yoga, for example, um, what they, they term the relaxation response, any of the practices that induce deep breathing and, and relaxation, um, they've shown, you know, that thousands of genes change their expression in response to that. So a lot of the positive health benefits that you see from something like yoga um, kind of have a common factor with, um, you know, the system in the body 
that is also going to be responsive to nutrition and all these other factors. So that's why I call myself an epigenetic coach is because it's a kind of common factor and kind of underlying thing that connects all of these different practices um, that we might do or health lifestyle things. Um, does that, does that make sense? Does that yeah. explain yeah. that a little bit for you? So if, so let's say I'm, I want to be coached by you. Would that require a, like a genetic test, a blood test? What does that look like? How do we find out where, like, where do you start with, with the people that you work with? Cause I would imagine you really yeah. have to take a look inside and see mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, so, um, yes, it's very healthy to take a look at individually what's going on. And I, and I will say like the, the document you're referencing, the top 10, uh, tips for late night creatives, which you can, you can download off my site. Those are kind of the generalized things that I've said. All right. These are the, the 10 most important things, no matter who you are, what your genes look like. Um, you know, these are probably going to be some helpful things for you, but then yeah, it does get, you know, it does, uh, become very helpful to look a little more individually and granularly, uh, at how all these things are wired. And, and so that's what I do with clients. I, I use a genetic testing and, um, we can isolate specific genes that might be more or less likely to express in a way that we, you know, either want them to or don't. And when you have the predisposition to say, uh, have a gene that's associated with more inflammation, we can target that with specific herbs or supplements to kind of reverse that and you know, move you in the opposite direction. So, um, you know, I'll look at about 500 different genes or so with a full read and that gives me a pretty broad understanding of you know if someone is wanting to improve their brain function and you know, maybe want a little bit more energy your focus and ability to sit there and, and really act on all the ideas that they have you know i'm going to be looking at things that are associated with neuroinflammation and look at dietary factors that might reduce that or help um you know provide nutrients to certain pathways in the body that might require more of them so it's, um, yeah, the, the genetic testing is really flexible and uh, allows for a really unique individualized kind of look um, at someone's um, kind of inner workings there. And it really sounds like it has a lot to do with our diet and everything that we're putting into our body. Is that right? Can you say that again? Sorry. That it, it has a lot to do with our diet and everything that we're putting into our body. That really, yes. if you know, the better we eat, the better we're going to be. And yes, exactly. And the thing though is, it's not really the same for every person though, in terms of what the things to be eating are that's going to create those positive changes. Like you know how you see people that are super big advocates of the vegan diet or the paleo diet or keto or kind of all these these approaches. Um, What's kind of the missing piece there is that people can do really well with those those diets, but they don't work for everyone. And people kind of get caught up in this sense that, well, it worked for me, it should work for this other person. Or I saw my, you know, my sister lose, you know, 20 pounds in this diet, it should work the same for me. And the truth is, when you really look at um, the way that people are individually wired at the genetic level, some people are suited to do really well with a certain style and not so much with another. 
Um, so that's where the genetic testing really, um, you know, gets to the bottom of what styles can actually work for you. It's, it's a little bit of a shortcut. And I kind of look at it as like, you know, it's just as silly as expecting everyone to like the same style of music. Like people just have different orientations and have different preferences. And, you know, maybe that's to some degree, you know, innate, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things where it just takes a lot of uh, time investment out of having to figure this stuff out yourself. You know, like it's a little bit of like having a roadmap and you to say like, well, you know, you probably do better um, and a little bit more naturally with this style. Right. Right. It sounds like a very modern approach to Ayurvedic medicine and Ayurvedic practitioners mm -hmm. where it's like, we're kind of, you're not going to look at my tongue and tell me what's wrong with me. We're actually going to look at my DNA and figure out. Cause it is, it's very prescriptive in what may work best for me might not work best for somebody else. It's so right. And I, and I look to Ayurveda as, as absolutely a, a really solid precursor to this type of information. And there's actually some cool studies too on, um, comparing the Ayurvedic doshic types, the, the, the tridoshic system, to genes and to genetic variants, and they have found some correlations there. Um, you know, they're kind of loose, but they're strong enough to say, like, well, this original ancient system of kind of looking at people's individual bodies, like, we can actually point to it on a genetic basis to say, yeah, there, there's some validation there. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um I'm absolutely blown away by it. And I keep thinking I have, and it's embarrassing to say that I don't know exactly what is wrong with me, but I have a blood clotting disorder. And, uh, you know, typical medicine is like, okay, you have to be on blood thinners forever. And mm -hmm. I don't want to be. <laughs> and I miss a lot of the greens. And there was um, a part in my life where I was on, on blood thinners, then I went off of blood thinners because of, the medical world and I didn't have health insurance and my doctor was like, I can't keep giving you blood thinner if you can't go get your INR checked. So we weaned off the blood thinners and then I just was super active, ate super healthy and I was good to go. And mm -hmm. for some reason, like the typical mind came back in as I got older that I had health insurance again and I went back to the doctor and it was six years later and I was totally fine with no blood thinner. Perfectly fine. I went back to the doctor. They put me on blood thinners. Literally that next weekend, I had a blood clot. And it was like it like malfunctioned, like my body didn't know what was happening. And, you know, kind of went back into this reactive mode. And now I really want to like explore things like this to be like, I'm pretty sure I can fix this with proper diet, proper exercise and eating the right things and not having to take the, the Coumadin or Warfarin that I take to keep everything mm -hmm. the way it is. Um, but part of me feels like if I present this to my doctor, they're going to look at me like I have 12 heads and say, what are you thinking? You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. do you find that with clients that you work with, that they may be on some type of medicine and you're like, we can probably remove that chemical from you and just start doing this in a natural way that there there is um pushback from the medical world the traditional medical world 
Well, no, I think there's a couple of factors there. Um, I think that most doctors, even ones that, you know, are pretty heavily into the prescription medical allopathic model would probably rather see their clients not needing to be on those things. Mm-hmm. But I think they lack the skill set, many of them, to make that happen and the time. Right. I think a lot of it is that's just it's just it's just easier for them to say, Hey, you know, do this just take this thing once a day rather than trying to you know, help someone get all these other things in in their life right. And it's it's very frustrating from my perspective that that's not the way to approach it. Um but yeah, I, I have had some clients that have been able to get off uh, medication while we've worked together and you know, I'm very clear that um they need to do that under the care of their doctors. Uh-huh. Uh, and make sure that, you know, that they're really able to do that. But, you know, I worked with a guy who was on, um, you know, depre- antidepressants for years um, for all kind of mood stuff. And he was able to get off that as well as some blood pressure medication by really focusing on uh, diet and exercise. And, and for kind of the first time, it was like giving his body a very specialized um, you know, protocol for some things that he was probably, you know, he was deficient in and um, things that, it, that when, you know, you go 30, 40 years without paying attention to, you know, they can kind of build up over time. But what you're saying in your situation of just deciding like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the holistic route. I think there's so much power in recognizing that you do have more control over that. Um, even when, the kind of typical medical approach is not like you're going to be stuck like this. You just take a pill and, and that fixes it. It's like there's almost always another way. It just does require a little bit more effort and input. Um, and I think it's up to you decide, is that worth it or not? I, I personally do. And I like working with other people who find that to be worth it and to balance you know, systems function in the body with you know, diet and lifestyle and kind of these natural ways to do it. Uh, I, I'm not anti-medication. I just think that um, you're probably going to see more benefits from really working at, on the, um, you know, kind of the root causes and the underlying factors that, that cause those things that, um, you know, the typical approach is just to slap, slap the Band-Aid on the top and, and deal with it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you know, every month I get my INRs checked. I'm like, I just want to eat like salad a lot, a lot of salad. Yeah, <laughs> and like all the things I have to stay away from are like the green leafy vegetables that have all of the goodness in them. I'm like, but I I want to have the green leafy vegetables. <laughs> um, it's a process. I'll slowly be able to take that step. I think it's just, I had now have this mental block in my mind of having that conversation with my doctor to say, let's, let's take these out of my life so I can, mm-hmm. I don't know, feel better about the food that I'm putting in my mouth as well. And I think it will just help in everything in general. It, it's um, interesting. I found uh, you know, some of the work that I was, that you do involves THC and cannabis and all of that. And in June, I stopped smoking cannabis after smoking for many, 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 many years. And I was afraid that I would lose my creativity. Like I had this idea that it was going to affect me in like a negative way from smoking mm-hmm. so much to then not smoking. And 
I've actually found that I've, I feel more creative, which has been interesting. And I was never one of the, like the pot smokers that would like kind of just smoke and lay around. Like it, it did give me a little boost of creativity, maybe mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm not sure. Like maybe that was just like, I meant like, I, I just made that up in my mind. Um, but I was always able to, for lack of a better word, be a high functioning pothead as opposed to just, you know, vegging out on the couch, watching Netflix. Um, I've seen, I think in some of your work, you, you, you talk about that a little bit, that, that we pretty much like everything, everyone is different with the way cannabis affects them. Some people hate it. Some people love it. And is this all kind of connected as well to the epigenetics then? So it's, uh, it's connected more to the genetics, um, the kind of the underlying code. Definitely. Um, I was really surprised to find that there's a pretty significant body of work on looking at genetic correlations with how people respond to THC um, that really isn't very well known. And so I've kind of made it my mission to uh, make that a little bit more accessible to people. Uh, I've got some articles on my website you can, you can read about. Um, but yeah, I find that, you know, I, I grew up as someone who was always attracted to weed. Uh, and I remember, you know, very early on realizing that the way that I experienced it wasn't the way that all, all my friends experienced it. You know, I, I really quickly found other people that were like, yeah, I just don't like the way I feel. And it was always confusing to me. And so when I came across work that was looking at, um, you know, genes that are associated with higher likelihood for paranoia or anxiety or, or how some people don't break down THC as well. And then smaller dosages become very intense for certain people. Uh, you know, it started to make a lot of sense why there's this pretty wide variation in the way people experience it. And there are pretty significant factors that can really set certain people up to do really well with cannabis or not. And in the high functioning stoner arena, um, you know, there's some pretty interesting genetic variations that um, impact things like short-term memory. Like there's one that people with a certain variant of, of this, when they subjected people to having to do, you know, memory tests where you remember certain numbers and uh, where things are on a, um, you know, like shapes and all that, just think of, you know, kind of typical memory tests. And uh, they've done trials where they've gotten people high, made them do that and looked at, at gene variants to kind of stratify um, different groups out. And there's one variant that I, 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 they identified that can cause about uh, up to a 40% difference in short-term memory uh, after smoke cannabis. So if you're thinking about uh, factors that can go into making you a, a functional sonar versus a non-functional sonar, that's a pretty big one. Um, and the other thing to, that I'll mention here is it's, it's not necessarily that it works so well with just isolating one variable. It really works the best when you look at multiple ones together um, because there's, you know, five or six other variants that they found will impact short-term memory. Um, so you might have ones that kind of balance each other out a little bit, or if you're someone who's kind of got all the variants in a row that predispose to worse short-term memory, well, then you're really a, uh, low functioning standard. But at the same time, you might have all of the ones that are uh, protective of that type of short-term memory response and kind of prevent uh, that from happening. And so I, I see it all over the map. I, I 
put together a, a genetic panel that can help you understand how this is going to apply to you. Uh, and so I'd be curious to take a look at your genes and see what, um, you know, whether you are genetically more of a high functioning kind of stoner or not. Um, I usually see a pretty good correlation there. It kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone describes themselves like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think the, the cycles of, of moving in and out of using any type of powerful plant like that, uh, is really interesting to talk to people about and, um, what you're describing of, you know, not using and being afraid that it was going to cause problems in your creativity, but quite the opposite. You know, I, I see that in, in myself, I see it in other people too, where, um, just any type of break, any type of big change up can uh, sometimes kind of unload the floodgates from things that have been kind of swirling around in one generalized state of consciousness. And then when you kind of switch over to the the different mode of of being, you know, and it's funny to think about like, you know, not smoking weed as a different mode, but once you get used to it, you know, it kind of normalizes it, but the the other state becomes uh, novel in a way, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I will, I've, I've been prefacing this a lot when I, when I talk about this is that I also increased my meditation throughout mm-hmm. the process as well. Um, and maybe it was just subconscious. It was like, I'm going to do this to, to, to replace that because I have this meditation that practice that I can, you know, put myself in a very nice place. Um, that sometimes feels as if I'm, I'm, I'm high. So I was like balancing out some, you know, it's just, I, you know, I was curious as like, hmm, am I, is this the meditation? Is it, do I do have these factors that are like, oh no, I'm just a high, I can be a high functioning stoner as well. And by keeping the meditation practice, it has helped keep the creativity flowing, which I'm sure it has. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I'm interested in your thoughts on the different, like smoking cannabis and eating cannabis how that affects people. Um, and the same with even using like CBDs. Like some people will be like, oh, I tried using CBDs and, and it didn't do anything. Like I put a pain sab on and it did nothing. And other people will be like, I put like a drop on and I didn't feel pain for a week. Um, again, same mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like really all depends on where what our genes are, are doing. Uh so the, with um, inhaled versus ingested, uh, you see bigger differences in ingested in eating or taking tincture um, because a lot of the um, genetic variables that will create these differences are in the liver. And when you eat something, you know, it, it gets, gets processed through the liver a little bit more substantially than something that's... Uh, smoked or vaporized and kind of goes a little more straight into the, the bloodstream to the brain. Um, so there's actually more time. Uh, you know, when you eat cannabis, it usually takes 20, 30 minutes for it to kind of come on. There's more time for it to travel around in, in the body before it really makes it to the brain. Um, and so with, with certain variants that I look at in THC metabolism, especially, uh, it can really predict very well whether someone is one of those kind of people that will just get rocked by edibles or can handle them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, you know, more minor differences with the metabolism piece in smoked or inhaled, um, THC. Um, but you really see the big differences in edibles. Yeah. I've, and, and again, it's one of those interesting things where 
I'd joke around and I would be like, well, maybe it's because I smoke so much <laughs> that the edible doesn't affect me as much because there were times like I would just eat a bunch and it's like, I, I really don't feel anything. Um, where the person I'm sitting with, you know, had like a little nibble of something and they're just completely floored. So interesting in that way. And I'm like, I, I don't think it's because I smoked for 20 years, but maybe. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. And I think there's, there's, there's definitely some tolerance things that, that happen there too. But, um, you know, there are also some, some, you know, pretty clear, initial conditions that can set the stage one way or the other too. Mm -hmm. So as we start winding down, cause I know you have a, a call that you need to, you have to get on. I do have one question for you because I'm curious. I've been talking with a lot of people about morning practices and I see that, you know, part step 10 on your, your, your download for the, the late night creatives is developing a morning practice. Do you have a morning practice mm -hmm. that you follow? Do you have a practice that you follow morning? Yeah, evening? I do. You want to tell uh, us yeah, about I'll that? I'll tell you about my morning practice. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, you know, it's, I think like most people, not 100% consistent, but on the ideal day, uh, I wake up, I immediately go outside and get some sunlight on my skin and eyes. I try to just get up and go outside and stand outside for a few minutes naked, no matter what temperature it is. Uh, just kind of get myself in the sun. Uh, and then I'll go in and if it, well, if it's nice out, I'll stay outside and meditate for usually about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, if I'm waking up late, it'll be five minutes. If I've, you know, feeling like I've got plenty of time. It might be up to 30 minutes. Uh, but I'll usually start out with meditation, uh, get on my yoga mat for about five to 10 minutes and just do some light stretching. Um, and I'll take a shower, make myself a cup of coffee. And um, ideally write a little bit, but that's probably the least consistent for me personally. That's an area that I'm trying to, um, you know, continuously remind myself that I'm, you know, I feel good when I write. Things come together when I write. Um, so that's something I'm working on right now is adding the writing piece in consistently. Uh, and then that's, then I start my day. But the, the, the meditation piece, um, I try and make, if I do nothing else, I'm, I'm at least going to do a couple of minutes of meditation. And um, what I found with that is um, uh, if I, if I set my phone timer and just know that I'm, I'm, setting a timer for 10 minutes and that's all I'm doing. Uh, that's really the way that, that I get into it in the morning is, uh, I have much, I have a lot harder time with this free, free floating time without a, a stop and a start time. So for me, the timer is really helpful there uh -huh. uh, to kind of keep that consistent. Nice. I, I, I've also found that, that the meditating first thing in the morning is really, really beneficial for setting the tone for the day. And I've recently started the, process practice of not touching my phone until I meditate, read, and I try to do some kind of journaling. So I try to do those three things before I look at my phone and any kind of phone, like looking at my email, Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff. And from making that slight change, and I'm sure some people listening are like, oh my goodness, how can you do that? 
it's a practice. Um, but I feel so much better moving throughout the day because there's nothing that, you know, I'm stopping anything that could possibly start my day off on the wrong foot. And it's been so, so beneficial for me. Um, David, thank you so much for taking time to, to chat with me. Can you let everyone know where they can find you if anyone is interested in taking advantage of the services that you have to offer, where, where, they, can, where they can connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, anyone can go to my website, david-krantz.com, uh, K-R-A-N-T-Z, and you can check out what I have there. I specialize in working with creative professionals on really dialing in nutrition and lifestyle habits to support creativity and optimal self-expression and um, just having that mental energy to really uh, make the things happen. Uh, and anyone who's interested can book a free 30 minute consult with me, uh, to see if we are a good fit to work together. And, you know, I can learn a little bit more about you and your goals and, and just see, uh, you know, if it makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you and really appreciate you having me on and giving me the uh, opportunity to have a conversation with you. It's been really great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I will link you up in the show notes as well for everyone. Um, please go check out David and how about your music? Could we find your music someplace? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, uh, my music name is Few Texture, F-U-T-E-X-T-U-R-E. Uh, I'm on Spotify and SoundCloud and mm, iTunes, most of the places where you can find music. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today and for everyone else that's listening, get out there and have the best day ever. <laughs>